Thinking, the podcast exploring a new era for the high street. We celebrate independent business and bricks and mortar retail across the UK, those who are shaking things up on their local high streets and who believe in the potential of our town and city centres. I'm your host, Alexandra. Welcome along. Hello and welcome back to the show. Now, as we are well on the route to Christmas, it got me thinking about the lost art of a beautiful mail order catalogue. Some of you might still be receiving them, but they seem to have dwindled and been replaced by an email, which, let's be honest, doesn't feel as permanent and is not as joyful to open. And it got me really thinking about my love of a mail order catalogue when I was younger. And I've been writing about this on the Patreon page and it's just so wonderful to revisit all my memories of being immersed in lands and worlds that I just couldn't inhabit in Perth when I was growing up. If you're interested, then head to the show notes now where you can find out how to support us. This week, we are joined by Cece from Restoration Yard, the winner of this year's Best Store Design at Draper's Independence Awards. 2021. Cece speaks about how she's brought her years of experience as a designer to store merchandising, the thrill of buying and connecting with producers, and why she just loves the magic and theatre of retail. You're going to love it, and it's going to get you super excited to make a trip to Dogheath, I swear. Enjoy. joining us today on the show. Such a pleasure to have you. My absolute pleasure. I'm quite excited to be talking to you today. (laughs) Oh good, good. Well I know and and we are in, you know, we have an award winner in our midst so it's tremendously exciting for us as well. So thank you. Restoration Yard is really a destination isn't it in terms of an experience. I wondered if you could just tell how do you explain what you are and and where we can find you. Give us a bit more. Well, um, Restoration Yard is actually the uh, brainchild of Lord Damien. And he visited, he wanted to know what to do with the um, stable yard, the stable block. And he visited various different outlets. And then he happened upon a Volca in Ireland. And um, he loved what he saw there. And he decided mm-hmm. to do a bit of research. And he found Amanda Pratt, which is the daughter of... Um, Avoca and she was the creative director of Avoca. So he approached her on LinkedIn and asked her if she would come across the, the pond and um, help us out and see if we, we could do something different in, in the yard. So Amanda and um, Damien started to work together to try and convert the stable yard into a retail outlet. And then early, um, I think 2016, Amanda approached me as a visual merchandiser um, to come on board and to help um, transform the stable yard into a retail outlet and the concept is is that we create something really beautiful it's all about aesthetics you know so beautiful products lots of local artisans independent artisans as well as obviously mainstream uh, work but the concept behind it all is that the store is actually about an experience so you walk through the doors and you're blown away by the visual um, aesthetics of the store the mixing of the merchandise the colors the textures Um, so we want people to come in and go wow and feel kind of 
um, blown away by some of the beautiful products that we have and the way they're displayed. It's really important how things are displayed in the store and the journey that the customer walks through the store. So you might walk out with a mug or a soap, or but we want you to come in and feel that you were part of something and to be touched in some way. And that's yeah. why we've got this um, well-being element to the restoration yard as well. So And we've got a wonderful of uh, the kitchen, which is a lovely restaurant. Um, so you can go in there and you can have a real holistic experience when you go to the mm. yard. So um, also, if you want to do this stunning woods, um, so you go for a lovely walk. Well, I was going to say, because you're within this country park, aren't you? So it's like, it's like you're sort of... It, the whole thing's an experience. It's like a really, like, you could have a whole day there. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's for everybody. So you could be a dog walker who would like to go for just a lovely walk in the in the park and then have a takeaway coffee. Or you could be a family that wants to go to Fort Douglas and have some fun there and then come into the restaurant, have a meal and pop into the shop for a spot of shopping. You could be some girlfriends who just want to meet for lunch and have something lovely, a lovely meal um, in the kitchen hosted by Gillian and her wonderful team. And then you can come across mm. the shop and see Louise and my wonderful team. And then, you know... <laughs> There's lots of wonderful things to do there, to be honest. And then we've also got Go Ape, which came this summer. So those of uh, us oh that God. are a bit of adrenaline junkies can uh, go up, go ape and, you know, uh, scare yourself half to death. Not my thing, but, you know, um, uh, I've done it once before. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite uh, it's quite scary, but fun. You know, it's very successful. People absolutely adore it. And then you can come to the yard. and And if you come to the yard, even the courtyard outside, it's um, really quite a Tuscan feel. So there's a lot of thought and consideration mm-hmm. that went into everything, the layout, the wallpaper in the kitchen. Um, even when you walk into the food hall and you look, look up, we've got this like stuffed eagle, you know, um, that he used to actually work. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he used to work the land many years ago. And now he's up there, you know, looking over the food hall, as it were. So there's a lot of attention to detail. And when you're in the actual courtyard, to me, it always feels like um, I'm slightly biased because I just love it there, but like a microclimate. It's always so wonderful. And it could be the planting, and Douglas does such a wonderful job maintaining mm. the courtyard. But it is really a, a really beautiful, holistic experience when you come to the yard. So you must, you know, must come. Oh my goodness! I mean, what a what a sales pitch! <laughs> I mean, if that hasn't made you want to jump in, I'll, I'll jump on a bus or jump in a car to go. Fantastic. So I'm really curious then about, I mean, there's so, there's so much we, we can talk about. So, but I'd love to know your involvement in it because you said you were, you were approached. So what, what were you doing at the time when you were approached? So I'm, um, and I'm, I'm an independent designer myself. So I'm from a design background. I'm a textile designer and I'm an artist. Um, I live currently in the borders and, um, I was just looking for something else to do because I was in the borders and then I, had a meeting with Amanda and she saw I did some mood boards and she saw some of my work and I'm very everything I do is I'm a textile designer so prints are my prints are very bold and abstract and so even the way I buy so I quickly I came on board as the visual merchandiser and I helped with you know picking tiles and colors and help coordinate with Amanda how um, to work with the architects to ensure that we got the look and the feel because she was in Ireland so I was kind of that mediator between um, Amanda and and the team on the ground in RY and then I think soon after I think within six months I took over as buying because I have um, 20 plus years experience in retail you know I used to work for Lily and the house of Brewer to, to name a few um, and so my background is very much retail so I then became the buyer but when you come into the store you will quickly see that 
the there's a big design team so all of the people that worked in the organization um and the buying end were either ceramists or potters or landscape designers so we're all from a design kind of background and you can look at the buying of the women's fashion and go, oh she's a textile designer because I buy a lot of print you know um, <laughs> but I, I, I love it I think it's you know really quite like fun to see like lovely colors and bold prints and uh, mixed with yeah. um, lovely textures and things like that and it's the same with the own brand so we also were very, I'm in a luxurious position where I, I'm actually able to tap into a lot of the art collection that's owned by the Duke. And we're able to draw a lot of inspiration from um, old textiles, prints, um, arts, caricatures, to create um, own brand products that are unique to the restoration yard. And they're all heavily colored or decorative pieces. And that in itself lends itself to the RY aesthetics and how we buy even other products to sit um, in conjunction with them. And we try and work closely with local um artisan so we worked with laura thomas last year um creating an own brand like collection of candles and diffusers and bath oils and we work with a local company down in england to make all of our soaps um and it just is an opportunity for us to create and that brings in my design background so i'm able to mm. tap into my previous design and then it, it kind of works together and i mm. really love um the, the work that I do there and also the working for a family always gives you this opportunity to branch out into different areas. I've always actually, when I think about it, I've always worked for families um, in family businesses. Um, I think when you work for family businesses, there aren't those rigid boundaries and you're able to cross over a lot. And I feel mm. Restoration Yard, that's it's there. So I'm, I'm yeah. so privileged to have access to that, that archive of wonderful work and then to to create beautiful products and then to work with local artisans to to bring beautiful products to market that um, yes. can actually see the journey. I think it's incredible. So when you're choosing products then, what is important? What, what would identify a restoration yard product? Like what are you looking for when you're looking with working with producers? Well, I think for me, because I'm an independent designer, I am drawn to independent design work. So I am drawn to things that are like unique and distinctive and bold. Um, so that's just a natural um, direction that I would go to because I'm an independent designer. Um, but I try and find things, my first thing I have to be honest with you is, is it beautiful? Is it unique? You know, that's the first thing that draws me to a product. It might not be my style. So it might not be something that I would wear myself or choose to have in my home or, you know, so, but it's beautiful. So I don't buy anything that I think is ugly or, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I tend, that tends to be even a book, you know, I do judge a book by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, even when I'm buying for the books, which do phenomenally well for us, you know, I mean, I remember when I took over the buying, the books were really quite slow. And then uh, they just are such a massive depart department for me. They sell so well. And I just love that to see people actually buying hard actual books not kindles but books and all the books in restoration yard i buy visually <laughs> so i go oh that looks like a beautiful book you know uh <laughs> i have gone into now fiction and stuff so i do think oh that book will, that book would look lovely on a coffee table or that book oh the the the, the, the spine of that book looks beautiful so uh <laughs> i have to i have to be honest um and then obviously i do have a commercial head on because you know with 20 years of 
of buying, you know, sometimes I do see really, really beautiful things, but then I think the price point isn't quite right. Um, and so then I won't invest in it. So absolutely, first I'm driven by how it looks. <laughs> I love that. I wonder if we could go in a little bit to your background, because I, I feel like with 20 years experience, you will have seen quite a lot of change in retail or innovation that way. Or have you got any thoughts about, yeah, have you got any thoughts about your, your time working in retail? I'm just sort of really interested about that because I just think, gosh, yeah. what experience you had? Retail has changed a lot. I think the consumer is um, maybe savvier or uh, fickle, um, but there's another consumer that really wants to hear more about the narrative, about the background, and that's the consumer that we're tapping into. And this is why we work with a lot of artisans and we do meet the makers in Restoration Yard where we bring local artisans, particularly in the food hall, to come to the store and they demonstrate their product so they can link with the audience. The audience now is um, very driven by you know eco the environment the impact of the environment how sustainable is that product how local it is so we are acutely aware of that so I do buy a lot of fashion that is um, eco sustainable or uh, environmentally friendly we also buy a lot of food that is obviously local um, but also vegan food so we definitely the the consumer is definitely a lot more savvier than it was before um, mm-hmm. and that's really interesting um, to, to to engage with but consumers are still in my opinion the same as they were 20 years ago consumers want to come into a place made to feel special you know and to feel like getting an experience I still think that is the consumer when I'm on the shop floor and I've worked a lot on the shop floor in the last 18 months because of COVID um, and the structure of the of the, the team um, it's the same all consumers just want to be like said hello to uh, or engaged yeah. with and then to be shown products and to be told the story and that's not changed in the 20 years that I've been in retail I think it's the same I think we can say consumers are different and they're more fickle and which I have said but they there's still the essence of the consumer that comes through the door is the same. You know, you can make relationships mm-hmm. with them. I have a wonderful member of my team called Abby, who's been with me since she was in her school uniform. So she's been with me five years. You know, it's her first career job. And she has wonderful relationships with all the consumers that come, all of our loyal customers. And that speaks to the fact that customers still want to make a connection. And they yeah. they want to make a connection not with the shop or the brand. They want to make a connection with the people in the shop and the people mm. in the brand, you know. So for me, that's been the same. When I worked on the shop floor in Olili 20 plus years ago on Sloan Street, I was that point of contact. The customers were coming to me and that relationship was really integral to how well a certain product did or not and I built these strong bonds and I see that now with Abby and with Louise and with Yvonne that the customers come they'll walk past me and they want to work directly with Abby or they want to work directly with Louise or with Yvonne because that bond between the consumer and the front of house team is still essential because we are we are social beings you know, we are uh, uh, absolutely. You put it so beautifully. I mean, it's that connection, and you know what else comes up there for me is is about trust. Like people come to you because they really trust your opinion or they trust your decisions, particularly I think in fashion, where 
or, or actually in any way, I'm thinking of all the things that you in terms of homewares. It, it's just about sort of getting that support that you couldn't get online. Like that's why that is fundamentally what people go for and to feel special. You're absolutely right when you say it's trust. It's because they trust what, you know, what Louise or Abby or Yvonne or Kay or any one member of my team is saying to mm. them. They trust it. I can sell food very well. <laughs> because I, I love I, that. I love food. Uh, I can sell fashion too, but not as well to my uh, restoration yard customer as my my team can, because my team have built that relationship with the customers. But you know, if I'm walking through the food hall, I'll be like, "Oh my god, you must try that chocolate! It's absolutely Moorish." And I can tell you, most of the products that are in our food hall, I have tried. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> if it doesn't uh, pass the taste test, I make exceptions to certain things that I, I'm not keen on, uh, but you. Know, my team will be like, no, no, it is good. Um, I'm not keen on anything too floral. Um, so any kind of floral candies or sweets, I just think, oh, they taste like pork puree. Yeah. But you know, my team will be like, oh, it's delicious, Cece. So I'll be like, okay. So we've t- everything that goes in there, we've tasted. And so it's it's about, I think if you enjoy it, your consumer is going to enjoy it. And that's where I think RY is the backbone of RY. And because we're a small business, we're able to adapt and change a lot quicker because we're small. But we have an incredible um, audience that really support us. And they came through their droves through the doors when we opened the doors. And the first two or three months, we literally just our revenue was through the roof and we did so so well and it really helped us carry carry on and it's so nice to see support for independent retailers Mm -hmm. because everybody it's so easy to shop online um and we've kept that momentum so we we've kept the the online store going so in in a way it was if we didn't have covid we would never have done that big concerted effort to put everything online and we wouldn't have been disciplined to continue to put everything online Mm -hmm. but um having said that what it our revenue, you know, about 30 to 40% of our revenue is fashion-based. So for us, it was a rude awakening of how volatile and how dangerous it is to be so heavily reliant on one department. Mm. Um, and I think the fashion industry as a whole uh, became aware of that. So as an industry, not just us, we decided to move more to never out of stock collection. Um, the term is noose in the industry. Um, but the actual fashion industry itself also has moved so a lot of brands that before didn't offer noose ranges are now offering noose ranges and this is something that actually vivian westwood has been advocating for many many years this disposable fashion the short seasonality of fashion it's only six months that's so short you know that you have things in the store for two or three months and then you have to put them in sale it's not really in line with our sustainable eco-friendly um kind of thinking and the future actually so a lot of fashion is moving towards um, noose ranges, and we are too. So we are moving the way we're buying. You still want, obviously, those special pieces, those seasonal hots, hot um, um, buys, etc. But I think long term, we're going to move away from such reliance on such a volatile industry. And actually, it probably just helped the industry itself go towards it needs to be. We need to move away from disposable fashion. We need mm-hmm. to move away from such short seasonalities, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's t- changed for sure. And then also what changed is how we bought. So I used to go to trade shows. They all just closed and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing lots of Zoom meetings, which is very difficult to try and yeah. visualise or even to feel. I'm a textile designer. So I I'm just going to gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
all about I senses, like just yes, oh, yeah. yeah. You're just getting flat screen. You know, it's really, really difficult. Um, and I have to say, I think for the spring summer, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Yvonne, said to me, "You've done a really good job here." And I bought everything on screen. She goes, "It's the best buy that you've ever done." And I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was a bit like she was like you better not get too good at that they, they, won't, they won't allow you to go to any shows again but um yeah it, it, it was difficult but interesting and challenging it was a lot more time consuming because if you went to a show you just went for two days you bought everything they put it on the system but you ended up doing getting line sheets having to go through all these line sheets and because of my experience with O'Lily where I did a lot of wholesaling I was uncomfortable with line sheets but not I'm, I'm not sure if all buyers are so you know I was looking at all these line sheets and, and and deciding what I wanted without feeling things and then you did the zoom meeting and then they sent the order confirmation so you know something that took you maybe an hour or two and ended up taking you a day or two and then I have all the 300 suppliers so you can imagine that wow. just sheer volume of work that came on the back of that and then when the trade shows opened which was really interesting so they opened for the first time this um, July August September I went to them they were all a lot smaller um, and then there were a lot of independent designers you know and um, it's really important to always have newness and I felt that the store had kind of something kind of bar fashion everything was a bit similar in the last 18 months because there was no shows and what happened when I went to these smaller shows a lot of the big brands weren't there but there were a lot of independent brands and I love independent brands anyway so I did miss some of the big ones but I ended up spending most of my my budget on independent buyers on independent brands which was fantastic Mm -hmm. so I ended up having a much more unique offer so this autumn winter is potentially the most unique collection of products that I have in the five years of Restoration Yard because there was just a lot less in top drawer where I went for the house and home and uh, and the gifting side of things. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to buy even more beautiful things. <laughs> Instead of looking at catalogues of all the big brands, I thought, no, you know, these guys have made the effort and you go in there and we're, although we're independent um, business and we're a small business, to the independent designers, we're a big buying power Mm. so for them it was a good break and so I was like fantastic so I just spent two days you know thoroughly enjoying myself looking lots of beautiful products uh food um cards uh, stationery I mean everything it was just really exquisite some homeware um and I brought them all in you know and and some like some really stunning I remember one brand a Doug and Dome it's called and uh, there was a mother and daughter there and it's just such a sophisticated brand and I and I looked at it and I stereotyped I thought it was a daughter but it's actually the mother who's the the designer and the daughter was helping the mother create a product out of her art you know so I think if I was if the show was bigger I would have spent 80% of my time going to my usual brands and then 20% going around the little independents you know but I spent 80% going around the independence and yeah. 20% with my usual brands. So That's I think so it was, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was a wonderful experience, actually, and a lesson for me. You know, I think there's a fantastic um, by a, a one I really respect um, who works for a reputable um, organization. And she said to me, good buyers always make mistakes. 
you know and this means because you're trying something you know you're not playing it safe yeah. so I, I definitely tried a lot this autumn winter so fingers crossed I did the right thing oh, I love it. god you know you should you should be in a I feel like I want to be a buyer now I feel like it just sounds like the most oh my god amazing career like what a fascinating thing is do you have like do you have something that you enjoy searching for more than anything else is for you is textiles like in terms of it's the fashion element or do you have anything that's a bit of a yeah, sets your heart alight I have to be honest I love buying something and then it doesn't matter what it is you know so I love buying something and then seeing it sell you know, I love that, you know, and especially when it's a high risk item. So I particularly love it when I buy something from an independent re- independent designer or a local artisan. So it's a new food product, but it's not a big brand. It's a small brand. And when I see a consumer going up to the till and buying that product, there is a little like a little dance happening in my head. It's a little jig, you know, I'm super excited for that actual independent designer. I'm like, yes, you're making it. And I will then reorder and reorder. And, you know, so I think, and I've, I've had a, a, a couple of buyers who've worked for me and they have that same feeling, you know, they say there's nothing like, or when you do a display and then it starts to sell. So because I'm also the visual merchandiser, those two things are very intertwined. So yeah, I just love seeing stuff moving. You know, oh, retail think- is all about things in transit. So yes. I just love that whole that movement from picking it, putting it on the system, putting it on the shop floor, going through the till and finding a lovely home. Oh that's the whole thing. <laughs> gorgeous. Because you touch upon um visual merchandising there, and I think so it feels like a natural point for us to kind of come to that award that you've just won uh, for best store design from Drapers. So congratulations Thank to you, you and your team. Um so t- tell us a bit more about that whole experience and I suppose yeah, and 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 that whole store design and your approach to the store design. So the the store, obviously, originally, obviously, Amanda was very much part of, so that aesthetic of Avoca. So she was definitely part of that whole process. Um, and since then, the team and I have um, kept her legacy alive by ensuring all the visual displays are always we hope beautiful um and there's some t- members of my team that also really thrive in it so i try and find different members of my team that really enjoy it so i don't do everything because i can't possibly do everything um but some of my team you know abby is now showing lots of signs and of promise and in, in in design and actually visual merchandising beautifully um i have some t- of my team who love doing mannequins i mean i do mannequins too but we kind of mix and match and they can maybe do a different display, you know, than I would think. But yeah, the idea is always to create a beautiful environment. So recently we did a massive store move and I moved uh, women's fashion to uh, the other end of the store and I converted um, where women's fashion into house and home, a stationery and, and books. So the natural flow coming in from the food hall is that you're in house and home and stationary. And this is something that I was thinking about, like the design took a few months in my head to kind of, uh, kind of realize where things would sit. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I think Remco, my boss had said, Oh, would it, would you think about moving the departments? And then I was like, Ooh, yes why not you know it's good to move it's good to do things that are kind of fresh and different so then once the ideas kind of percolated in my head we then did the big move and visual merchandising it's because I'm a designer it's very linked everything is 
about composition. I think one of my colleague, ex-colleagues, she's left us now, uh, Krista said when she said, watches me creating a visual display, she's like, as, as Cece sits there and like a pull and a push as I'm doing the display. And it's, it's interesting that she said it was a pull and a push because what it is for me, it's, it's composition. So I will sit and, and kind of think, oh, does that sit and how is it balanced? And that's just, I think, five years of art school that makes you think of composition. That's so interesting. <laughs> but, yeah. You can't hide that training. That is no, in, no, in you. It's regimented. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, the award was, you know, we went, we went down uh, to London, um, a couple of colleagues and I, and Damien was there as well. And I have to be honest, I did not anticipate getting the award at all. Um, and I think I mentioned uh, it to you that uh, uh, my partner actually said, oh, did you not get the brief? Because I was just, I was in a lovely uh, Pomme Amsterdam blouse, but I, you know, had my my jeans on, you know, it was kind of shabby chic uh, yeah. look. <laughs> and everybody was really dressed up. So I did feel a little underdressed, but, you know, I'm working mum and super busy. So, and I didn't expect to win, you know, uh, and I went there and when we won, I was genuinely blown away. Uh, my heart was beating and racing so hard. I, I genuinely mm. couldn't talk. Thankfully, because of COVID, we're not allowed allowed to do any speeches so we just got up there got oh. the award and came down and I just <laughs> and I, my, my heart was in my throat beating so fast you know oh, um wow. so yeah and the team we we all work so hard because creating a beautiful store isn't just about um the visual merchandise or the buyers it's also about Sharon my warehouse manager that unpacks everything and prices and and helps bring the merchandise to the shop floor it's about all the wonderful artisans behind our beautiful products and then it's about all my team in the front of house it's even about the cleaners who come and ensure that the store looks immaculate you know so it's a it's a it's a whole team of us that create that so when the award was won it wasn't one person that won it but it's the collective of the restoration yard team that has won this award and we're overwhelmed and incredibly grateful to be recognized by drapers for it oh it's gorgeous and it's so lovely to how you hear you talk about the team uh and 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 that, yeah, just how proud you are. And it's so important, I think, because it is it's particularly retail. I think every piece needs to be in place for it to work as well as it does. And have you had any interest, like an additional interest in, in Restoration Yard because of the award? Have you have you found people kind of getting in touch and... Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think uh, we've we've also had lots of local um, businesses come and get in touch, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, people on on instagram or on social media or via email now a lot of independent retailers not independent beg your pardon independent um suppliers and makers are also getting in touch so it's definitely raised the profile and then people are going onto our website or going onto our social media feeds and they're seeing the eclectic mix and so the award has helped uh, increase restoration yards profile and not only brought new audiences to us, but also brought new suppliers to us too. So we're now looking at different suppliers and and it's very much trying to work with local suppliers and local um, people to try and create something beautiful for us and them. Yeah. Oh, God. More, more suppliers for you to explore. Like, what were you oh, yes. like? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, you know, we're now kind of in the process of, I mean, 
as consumers, as cons- customers, we're in the process of kind of getting ready for Christmas. But of course, retailers have been getting ready for Christmas since, you know, Valentine's <laughs> Day. Let's get, yeah, <laughs> you know, since the last one, straight after Boxing Day. Um, so what can people look forward to from Christmas? Because it feels like quite a magical place to visit for a day out to do some Christmas shopping, jump on go ape things and then... <laughs> Oh, it's, I have to be honest, uh, you know, I am biased, but Restoration Yard does Christmas like no other place does Christmas. Oh. So it's not just about the, sh- the store, it's about the entire space. So we have the best, most amazing Santa Claus. He comes from <laughs> Glasgow. <laughs> He's the best Santa Claus ever. And um, we decorate the grotto in such a wonderful it's a room that is entirely decorated as if it's um santa's little house and -hmm. because we're a yard we have this little uh well little is kind of kind of large um horse called george he's not real um but george tends to go into santa's little house with his card and the kids love him so the children whenever they come to the yard they always look for george he's almost like our mascot um (laughs) so because we're a stable yard and i think i I, I don't want to talk about the term but i think he might have been the duke's um toy many years ago but he's large you know he's like a, a big horse like almost life-size but not real and then um <laughs> so we create this wonderful magical with over 15 fake christmas trees um little santa grotto um with the best santa in the world and then we have the spectacle of light so the entire fort douglas is transformed and the orangery is beautiful building is transformed with a light show and music and so you can come and go to the spectacle of light and in the store itself we do wreath workshops we do kids pottery classes there's also tons of wonderful and unique um, christmas products to buy um, lots of them from independent artisans uh, and local businesses we do hampers um, we work with mellish cheese as well so you can even get your cheese board if you want gorgeous go for a lovely winter walk and then come for a nice uh, hot chocolate and um the end of this month we've got berto's brownies which is a delicious Mm. brownies company from glasgow and they're opening a concession in the food hall so you can come and get some delicious i can't tell you i i got gifted (laughs) them i told you i'm a bit of a foodie Uh, i got gifted some berto's brownies on my birthday last year uh, from my sister-in-law they were just so moorish um and i'm so excited to have them on board and they do the most unusual and most delicious brownies like with biscoff and yeah just absolutely yummy oh, wow. so you could come and have a hot chocolate a Berto's brownies or you could go to the restaurant and have a wonderful meal so yeah it's definitely a place to to come at Christmas because it's a, it's all about family or crafting so I know my sister-in-law and three of her friends are coming to do a wreath workshop and then a spot of um, shopping and then some lunch you know and um, why wouldn't you want to do that? And then we get choirs singing and we have oh, outside. What a scene. the whole yeah, thing is magical it is it is truly I trust me and outside we've got two um huts which local artisans will come and do meet the makers so you get to meet different makers from uh food so food producers lots of free sampling yum 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 um yeah so definitely worth a visit oh I love it yeah and I, I love the I just love I mean I could listen to you talk all day I find your your enthusiasm it just radiates from you it's wonderful but this idea of just learning more about the the stockists and the artisans and the stories behind I love that you mentioned stories like because it is about it is storytelling in a sort of um, experiential or also in a sort of physical form when you buy a product getting a connection to the person who's made it for you or all of that and I just I love that that's so part of your ethos as a store 
Absolutely. And I think the word connection is really the right word. So it stems back to my original discussion about the experience between the consumer and my team. You know, there's a connection. So it's trust and there's a connection. And now we are making that additional connection between the supplier, the consumer and my team. So it's all about because in essence, as I said before, we are social beings. We want to know, we want the narrative, we want the story. And it's not something new. We've always wanted it. Many years ago when we had just our corner shop, you used to know him and his mother and his granny. And so it's always been like that. Retailing has always been like that. It's just we've got big online presence now. Mm-hmm. And lots of people do lots of online shopping. But when they go to their local um, shop or independent store, they want that experience again, you know. And I think in the yard and in lots of independent retailers across Scotland, that experience is there, you know. And there are lots of independent retailers that need our support through these times, especially at Christmas. If you want to buy something unique, don't go online, go into a store in yes. nearby you. Yeah. Oh gosh, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Um, yeah. Susie, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Honestly, you're just it's such you have such an like an energy and a, and a radiance about you um, when you speak. So it's just great. So thank you so oh, much. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. I hope to see you there soon. Yes. Oh God. Are you kidding? Christmas sounds incredible. Try and keep <laughs> me away. <laughs> For listening if you've enjoyed today's episode then we'd love it if you rated and reviewed the show or sent it to someone who loves all things retail just like you if you'd like exclusive behind the scenes content and enable us to stay ad free then head to the show notes now where you can find out how to support us on patreon for as little as three pounds fifty a month we'll see you back here next week have a good one bye for now <laughs>